It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to say thank you for making us your first listener today. Remember, 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 we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And also, wherever you download your podcast, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate you for that in advance. And also, we are on Roku and Amazon Fire. So if you're getting tired of listening to us through your phone, which I know you're not, but if you just want to switch it up a little bit, you know, you kind of like me things get a little dull and everything you just want to switch it up make sure you go ahead and download those apps on roku and amazon fire we are right there for you as well um t i think one of the things that we have to um celebrate today um the braves pulled it off in braves fashion um the falcons got a very interesting uh opponent coming up this week the tampa bay buccaneers for the first place in the nfc south We'll talk about that. And last but not least, how would just get all the money when it comes to HBCUs and donations? We'll talk about all that. That's not negative. Um, but before we do that, the Braves pulled it out last night, two to one um, in the ninth inning. And I think it was just in Braves fashion, T. When you think about the bats weren't weren't going as well. And the um, Jake Odorizzi puts on a nice performance. And... You know, and everybody's all excited, but, you know, the Braves missed out on a lot of opportunity. They left a lot of ducks on the pond, but they, the bullpen holds it down again, and Kenley Jansen comes through in the end. Yeah. And the most important thing there with the bullpen putting together things like they did and also for Jake O'Reezy hanging in there for so many innings, that's a positive when you look at the NLDS, coupled with the fact that, of yes. course, the Braves now have that number two spot if you will that's going to be a positive for them because they've got six days off and yeah you may get a, you may talk about rust versus rest if you will but right. rust and rest but where i think it's going to be the positive is for the pitching staff for the pitching yes. rotation that's where the braves are going to really really see an advantage to what happened last night so like you said unfortunately the bats were still quiet but they did just enough they meaning Ronald Acuna Jr. and William Contreras and even a cool you know bump from Michael Harris II. Just little things here and there that got the Braves over the hump. And this is who they've been all season long. Like we say, would it be great to see all nine get it done in the batting order? Absolutely. Would it be great to get offense, defense, and pitching gems? Absolutely. But if you can't get it all, then get what you need on that particular night. Just enough run support. But yeah, like you said, Got to give a crazy shout out to Jake Odorizzi. Probably his best outing since he came to the Braves. Hands after. down. <laughs> Hands down. Like, because, you know, we're not used to him going over five innings. You know, no. he's been pulled and, several and one times. And when one run? And this? one run? What is this you speak of? Oh, my one run goodness. and seven strikeouts? Oh, my. Yeah. What is this? Yes, dude. Like, I was so, so excited about that yeah. last night to be yeah. able to see it. And I think, yes, you know, I got a little – Got a little concerned when AJ Minter had the bases loaded. I'm just like, dude, sure. what are you doing, dude? Yeah. Um, but you know, Kenley Jansen didn't repeat that. And he came on and just mowed everybody down and yes. got the job done. But another yeah. thing I wanted to talk on talk about T was last night, 
after the game, and you know, they went through the whole video pieces of reflecting back on the season. I started thinking about things. I was like, man, this has been a really, really cool season. Like, I understand, like, being a fan and having to be able to talk about this team objectively, those things can kind of, you know, misconstrue each other sometimes. They can get confused. They can start looking at each other like, hey, what you doing? What you doing? What you doing? But to see Alex Anthopoulos do the um, post-game interview with the Bally, the guys over at Bally Sports, I thought it was just so many things in there that I just really, really enjoyed, right? And I think that starting off with just the transparency, like, I, I think that a lot of times general managers, like, are, it seems like they go through a class to say, hey, I'm going to be protective as possible about my process, right? About how things go and how <laughs> I talk about how I'm, I talk about how I do things and my thought process behind those. And I think that Alex Anthopoulos is not like that. And yeah. we, we got a little bit, we got used to it with Thomas Dimitrov, right? Like, he acted like this was such a convoluted process. You had to be a rocket scientist to figure out how to win the side players, who to sign mm-hmm. players, and how you can sign players. Yes. But Asanthopolis is the total opposite of that. And I think that that what makes me really like him because, like, when I hear an interview of Asanthopolis, no matter who's doing the interview, right? no matter who's doing the interview, I always feel like I learned something or sure. he makes me feel a certain way. And every time I hear him talk, I know I like him even more, T. Yeah, and I feel like we get a peek into the inner workings of what has allowed the Braves to be so successful during his tenure. It is not by coincidence that no, in 2017, he joined this organization. And here we are in 2022, still, talk, still talking about the same thing, division titles. So right. like you said, he, he doesn't, and, and on some degree on our, or some level, he has made it a science. He actually yeah. has made it a science, but when he talks yeah. to us about it, it does not seem like that. It seems like, yes. hey, I just look at what is in front of me. I look at what the needs are, and then I go from there. So even like right now, right, he's looking at, okay, what are the needs going to be as it relates to this roster, looking at where Spencer Strider is and whether or not you can get through this first pass with this particular pitching staff that's in place right now. What do you do with the likes of a Marcel Ozuna? And not just thinking about it short term, but kind of, you know him. He's always thinking about 2023 as well. And you just have to love it. But my goodness, I saw one tweet that I thought was so indicative of Alex Anthopoulos. And it was a tweet that said, the troublemakers celebrate. And it literally had, of course, no Spencer Strider in that picture. But there was like a a screenshot of him in addition to Vaughn Grissom and Michael Harris II yes. celebrating. Jarvis, we just talked about five straight division titles, and yet you just put together another foundational group that's going to take this team, this franchise, this organization potentially into the next decade. decade. That, is <laughs> right. that is something that you don't even have to say we have not seen in the Atlanta sports landscape. No offense to yes. any of the other GMs because I like that Landry Fields and what I think he's going to be able to Indeed. do as a follow-up to what Travis Link has done. But Jarvis, I'm talking about the best in baseball. Like Alex Anthopoulos, if he's not the best, he darn sure has kept him, put himself and kept him in that conversation for the last five years. Yeah, and you gotta, like, you can't do nothing but appreciate that. And I think that general managers are forced to to be dual-minded right they have to think about the day today the next game and they also have to think about the future you know and sometimes they in baseball you 
almost have to go 10 years down the road because that's what we look at these when these players get these contracts you're talking about eight nine and ten years so they want to yeah. lock these guys up mm-hmm. and uh, i think a lot of times they want to lock these guys up so they can lock their job up for that's the right. next <laughs> amount of time so i think alice is not going anywhere anytime soon when if, if, we're, if we're judging based off of that so Mm-hmm. But I think another thing, though, that I was uh, very encouraged by by listening to him speak was when the fact that he brought up that Spencer Strider, you know, now Ozzy Albies won't be, right. more than likely won't be in the NLDS, but he said Spencer Strider is making strides, yes. pun intended, to, to coming back. See, like, what could that mean as far as the Braves going on a run to the World Series? Is, yeah. that, is, that, is that more more of a possibility with Strider in that rotation, you think? Oh, I do believe so. And that was another part of Alex Anthopoulos' transparency because he would say, right. hey, I'm going to be honest. There's not, It's not likely that we're going to see Ozzy, which is fine. I don't think yes. any of us expected it, but I think to hear it out of his mouth confirmed mm-hmm. it for us. And then going mm-hmm. back to Spencer Strider, it was a very encouraging note because here was my thought. You may not see Spencer Strider in the NLDS, but you may, ne- you may not need to. We're talking about best three out of five here. And if right. you got to good Max Fried in, in your ace space. You got Kyle Wright continuing to do his thing. And if we can see, I think Uncle Charlie's the one we like most versus Charlie, as our boy Randy McMichael would say. <laughs> right. If we can just see that guy and the guy for maybe the last couple of outings, then I think they'll be just fine in getting three wins without having to tax Spencer Strider. However, if they get in a situation, I don't think they will, but if they get in a situation where, say, Rasila Iglesias or Colin McHugh or Jackson Stevens, just basically that middle relief or even closer, I think the guy can do whatever. At least they know they've got one more gun to be able to pull that off and maybe work him back in slowly but surely. Because as of today, he's only, of course, pitched from a flat surface. Next up is pitching on the mound to kind of see if he's able to get that velocity and he has the command and there's comfort there. So depending on where that looks, I do like the fact that the Braves don't need him in the NLDS, and they have a six-day stretch of break. So by the time we get to the NLCS, yes, speaking the positive into being, I yes, think Spencer will be just there to be serviceable in whatever way they need him to. No doubt about it. And I think that, you know, Alex Anthopoulos has been that for the Atlanta Braves yeah. ever since he stepped on uh, the Braves campus and the battery and all that stuff. Like, I just just love i really i sincerely love that dude i really <laughs> like how he handles himself yeah, and everything he's as a general manager yeah he's he's earned it and man just just absolutely amazing love mm-hmm. it can't say that enough now coming up next on atl day ones we're gonna go through the biggest advantage that the falcons will have over the tampa bay buccaneers on on sunday but first we gotta talk about betonline.net because it is the number one place for all your betting needs t because when you're trying to think about what when the hawks you know first preseason game coming up because i know you've been itching the bet you know what's what's the spread what is it going to look like when they go over to oh, abu dhabi like how is it going down is anything going to change but guess what betonline has all the things that you need like they have podcasts mm-hmm. and everything anything and if you're not into basketball preseason basketball that's cool that's all good they got everything else they have nhl they have combat sports esports yeah. and even golf i went out and played golf with my daughter yesterday it's a beautiful thing um yeah but you can't bet on that you can't bet on that but what it, what you want to do is go to uh, bet online today because or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today because t bet online is where the game starts. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra, that's Jarvis, and you guys are our number one fans. How do we know? Because you continue to get us over the hump of 4,300 subscribers now on YouTube. Keep doing this. 
but also we appreciate you guys continuing to download us wherever you get your podcast and for rocking with us on amazon fire and roku it's kind of cool when you actually turn your tv on and you see yourself just joking but <laughs> no she's not <laughs> you guys or dms or messages telling us that you saw it on amazon fire or roku and that you love this show so just continue to do that and continue to know that we appreciate you just like we appreciate the fact that we're going into week five week five of the nfl season and having a conversation about a falcons team that is in a tie for first place with the bucks and have the potential to go down to tampa this weekend and take sole possession of first place in the division. None of us can say we actually thought that was going to be the conversation mm-hmm. on the way to week five, but here we are, here we are. And the Falcons are of course starting to install that game plan to get ready to potentially take the division lead. So I was kind of thinking about this. Okay. If we're going apples to apples, if such a thing exists with the Falcons and with the Bucks, hmm, got some areas where believe it or not, the Falcons have some advantages, believe it or not, the Bucks may have some advantages, but also believe it or not, the Falcons may have ways to mitigate wherever the Bucks may have an advantage. So I think when it comes to the Falcons, Jarvis, there are indeed a couple of advantages that we see from them that you and I spoke about even just yesterday. You know what? To be honest with you, it has to be running the football, right? Because that's what's been working tremendously for them. Even though, even though when um, Cordell Patterson, you know, going down, going on IR, I'm not too concerned about that. Even though he's yes. a dynamic player, I believe yes. they have two capable guys, or running back, or three guys that you yep. know are capable of filling in that that spot and being you know productive in that spot. So we got Tyler Algier. You know, the depth chart came out. Tyler Algier is going to be yep. the number one guy. Not surprised by that. And no. then you know. Caleb Huntley coming in and then Avery William for that really a big change of pace type of guy. So mm-hmm. when he comes in the game, a lot of teams not going to really know what he's going to do because you yes. haven't really seen him that much. So I think mm-hmm. that Arthur Smith is going to come up with a package of plays for Avery to, yeah. to get him involved in his offense. And I think that's going to be a big advantage for the um, Atlanta Falcons because Tampa Bay is giving up about 4.6 yards a carry. Yes. I mean, most of the time yes. you just want four, four yards from four yards a carry. You know, hey, that's that could, that can get you paid as a running back. If you're giving up four to six, that means four point six. That means mm-hmm. you've been giving up some big plays. And I think that yes. if the Falcons are able to get you some know. big plays in the run game, mm-hmm. that is going to help that dude who um <clears throat> takes snaps um, behind the Drew Dock. There we go. Yes, yes, and I will <laughs> give them right. I will give them that as well. I think it's the run game, no question about it. I think that is the skill position where the Falcons have a decided advantage. And then I'm going right. to give a slight tip of the hat to the reason they have that advantage and that's going back to what we've seen progressively improve over the last four weeks and that is winning in the trenches you and i talked about it last week last yesterday Mm -hmm. in last episode that it starts and stops with the phenomenal play of chris lindstrom you cannot get to the second level and you cannot get a cloud of dust if there's not somebody opening up spaces for you to do that in addition to of course Great blocking from the tight ends and great blocking from some of the receiver core as well. But yes, agreed that it's your run game, no question, but with a tip of the hat to the guys that get you there. Now, on the other hand, you've got a team in the Bucks that also has admittedly some advantages. We know they may not be looking like the Bucks of old, but they still bring something to the table that is going to be a challenge for Dean Pease, if you will, if that's the area you go in. So I'm quite curious to know if we, of course, we're the same in terms of where we think the advantage is for the Falcons. What about the maybe the disadvantage or the biggest advantage for the Bucks? You know what? To be honest with you, I, I think that 
Uh, it, I think it would be easy for me to kind of go the whole Tom Brady side because I get it. I understand it. Go. Been there, done that. That's the guy that just seen every defense you could possibly can. But I have to go to the, uh, on the other side because mm -hmm. when you think about the Tampa Bay defense, they have a lot of good guys who can rush the pass up front. Yes, yes. And this is going to be a big test for this offensive line that we talked about that was an sure. advantage for them. But okay. it's going to be a test right here. Mm -hmm. You talk about Vita Vail, you talk about Shaq Barrett, you know, um, those type of guys. And I think that when you have – and them guys being really stingy as far yes. as passing the ball, they're probably one of the top teams in the league as far as mm -hmm. not giving up, you know, the big play in, mm -hmm. um, in the passing game. So I think that when you put those two things together, guys who can rush the passer – and mm -hmm. guys who are really stingy on the yeah. back end of that defense, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a big test because guess what? Give you this little scenario: if the Falcons aren't able to run the football, mm -hmm. that means Marcus Mariota is gonna have to make a play with his arms, and yeah. I think that that is going to be a problem because I still aren't I'm still not in a place where I trust that dude to make a play with his arm consistently. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. I think that their advantage is still the D-line, and it's interesting because, of course, we know, or really their, their pass rush, we know they don't have Adamakan Sue anymore, just as an example. So it's right. not quite where it is, and they've been banged up a little bit as well throughout the first part of this season. However, like you said, they what they don't do, and we even saw that in the game that they narrowly lost against the Packers, it wasn't like Aaron Rodgers was just marching that offense mm -hmm. up and down the field with big pass plays. Him not a Hall of Famer, too. Exactly. But when you, write, when you think about the, how you mitigate that, one of the ways that you mitigate it, if say, let's say the run game is taken away and if they bring pressure is Marcus Mariota, get the ball out of your hands quickly, however that, whatever that looks like. So if that means just a little quick toss, uh, like just a little quick toss up to your running back out of the backfield, hey, you got good pass catchers. Tyler Algier, pretty solid in that space, right? And so right. we're starting to see Caleb Huntley uptick and Avery Williams, hey, you're, you're a specialist at the end of the day. You're a punt return specialist, so you, you know how to catch a ball, if you will. So okay. I think that might be an area where if you just do that quick toss or here's a news flash, just go ahead and check it down and keep it moving. You right. don't have you to go. look for the big play and just go through your progressions quickly and just make sure that you know that those guys are very, very smart. They've seen it all. And so you can't stare down your one, your first read, your, your primary top. If, look, if it's not there, it's not there. Go to that person. And the final thing I think as well that he can utilize, which I don't know that we've seen him utilize as much as we thought. Either one or two things, Jarvis. Either he can go with seeing a play break down and take off. You've got the legs. Use them. I don't think we've right. seen that enough out of him. Or in game one, we saw a few more um, RPOs and we saw a few more runs, run plays designed for Mariota. Maybe if you pull some of that back in for this particular game, that could work out to your advantage as well. T, that's the thing that I think that is going to be the big test for the Atlanta Falcons defensively and offense because, like you mentioned, like Dean Pease is going to, going to have his issues and Arthur Smith is definitely going to have to be very creative on offense in order to get that ball moving against that vaunted Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And, you know, those are one, that's some of the things that I just have to really keep in mind as we go along through the week and we'll see as we know that some guys may or may not be coming back off of IR. So the Falcons may have some cavalry um, coming to help them out to try to get this win and be first in NFC South. Indeed, indeed. And I love the fact that if they can play with tempo, if the Falcons can play with tempo and take advantage of what Marcus Mariota does best, which is 
using his legs and also yes. just get a short passing game going, get that ball out of his hands quickly, then the advantage for the Bucks potentially in their pass rush becomes more of a disadvantage. But speaking of an advantage, if you are a Bison faithful, then you got yet another advantage on today. But the question is, did you get it from an authentic place? We'll talk about it on the other side in Ford Culture. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanisha. We want to say thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. We really appreciate you for that. And thank you for also downloading us wherever you get your podcast because we are free and available any and every place. Also, we are on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. If you want to watch us on the big screen, go ahead and download the app on those platforms because all you got to do is look for Locks on Sports Atlanta. We're right there. ATL Day Ones is your show. Now, T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture, and sometimes whatever we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on the show. Today is no different. James Patterson, famed author James Patterson, has decided to donate $1.3 million to Howard University for 12 James Patterson writer education scholarships worth about $10,000 each for the current academic year and to the Owls Writers Workshop for 14 fellowships allocated to 11 fiction writers and three poets. That sounds all great and amazing. Donate to HBCUs. Good job, Mr. Patterson. But, yes. you know, if you scroll down just a little bit, just a little bit, uh, you know, I'll go ahead and read it word for word. So, you know, I ain't going to, you know, I'm going to make sure I get this thing right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the donation comes a few months after the writer came under fire for his controversial remarks about the state of diversity in writing. Yes. Hmm. The best-selling author said he believes white men are struggling lately to get hired in the entertainment industry. T. James Patterson doing some good things, 1.3 mil, but is this a is this a fallacy that we're that we're looking at right here? <laughs> I, I think that it just it doesn't have altruism written on it at all. Right. Like you this, this to me has not altruism but agenda written on it. Oh, oh, and God. you're never gonna make me think Please like me. Because, yeah, you make that commentary <laughs> and then black Twitter probably came for you. And yes, then once you Love said, Oh God, where can I make penance? Well, it's easy, the Mecca. I mean, that's that's an mm-hmm. easy one. Right. But my question exactly. to you is, did you really drill down to see where that really where that the energy should be? Like, did you right. find out if there are any inner city programs in areas where maybe junior high schoolers or high schoolers could benefit from that? Nothing right. against Tower University. Hey, listen, whenever you can get an opportunity to have someone grace you and bless you that way, I'm, I'm grateful for it. But right. my question is two things. Number one, to me, it seems very reactionary. Right. And number two, why is it that the, these people, and I'm going to call them people because I don't even think it's always just some white male, although a lot of times that white guilt will get you. But mm-hmm. if a lot of times it's just people saying, ooh, where can I get my see me, see me contribution? Well, the right. see me, see me contribution is always going to be a Morehouse College or it's going or to Howard. be a Spelman College or it's mm-hmm. going to be Howard University. My yep. question is, with that being a very recent give, could you not have called Bethune-Cookman College and said, hey, you guys are underwater. How can I assist you with your recovery? That's right. a question you should, should have. Uh, that's a, to me, a more genuine donation or you could have called jackson state and said hey i know because of hurricane ian and some other things you guys are out of the news cycle right now but i know you still need assistance 
how can I help? Do you have a mass communications program that may have a writing track? Maybe that's a natural area that I can help. Bethune-Cookman, did you have a department of communications that maybe is underwater? And so therefore those kids who want to become future writers don't have an opportunity to do that because your school is, your program, your department's underwater. Right. Miss me with doing it because you feel some type of way because somebody caught you with your true feelings and your true commentary. And right. then the answer was to go and just write a check to the university that gets most of the checks. And I'm thinking as well, one more thing on that. Did you reach out and maybe find out if there are some universities who could utilize your money, not necessarily from a scholarship perspective, because that's just impacting those 10 students or those 14 fellows. What about you giving it to the department on an ongoing program and setting up some type of five-year program where there can be intern opportunities and those intern mm -hmm. opportunities actually lead to jobs after four years. So. If you have a plan like that, then we can have some conversation. But as for me and my conversation with James Patterson, miss me with all that because you know what? The only reason you did something was because you got caught saying something. Yeah, and that and that's the thing, right? Like, I think, you know, in order for us to get past the whole, you know, doing some fake donation to yes. to ease the the woke mob, as they like to call call it. Yes. You know, I used the word they. Yeah, I did. Sorry, whoever used that term, that's who yeah. I'm talking to. So I, I think that in order for us to get past this, it has to be a real conversation, right? Like, okay, like let's have that conversation about, you know, you saying white males aren't getting jobs. Like let's yes. have that conversation. Yeah. If, you know, if if that if that may be true, which I, I'm not saying I know about a whole lot about writers jobs and, and how and who the, the diversity of it. Mm -hmm. But like my guess is that, you know, given the place that we're in right now and today, I think that 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 not that wasn't true. So I think that yeah. in order for you to get past it, you have to have those conversations and say, you know what? Like, let's get some real data. Like, yeah. get some real data. Like, get some information. Do your homework, and and you know, after the fact, and say, you know, after going through and everything, here's what I've learned. Sure. Here's what how I feel now that I've got more up um yeah. facts behind the statement that I that I made, and and yes. I, I was wrong. Like those are the type of things that I feel like they'll make that'll ease the 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 the, uh, the strength of what the, the what you said. Like yes. because you know a lot of I'm sure uh, there were some African American writers or um, uh, Latino writers that mm -hmm. looked at you and said, "What the are you talking about? Like right. are you serious?" Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? So to be able to make a statement like that, you know, yeah. those are the people that actually hurt. So I think that in order to make those people feel a, just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Go and do your homework first. And then, you know, as you start yeah. to learn about the diversity yeah. in your industry, mm -hmm. um, then that's when you say, okay, then you branch out and say, okay, here's Howard or Bethune Cooping, like you mm -hmm. mentioned. And then you start doing those things. That's the only way I feel like it probably won't happen again. Yeah. The more you educate yourself about a topic that you are very ignorant to, obviously, you know, you have to do your homework, do your research. And you've never had to do that before. That's why you was making those dumb behind comments. So I think that in order for that to happen, mm -hmm. you know, that's the only way you got to educate yourself, uh, Mr. Patterson. And Indeed. it's hard to believe that a writer would be uh, not willing to do something like that. Now, let's end the show on a, a, a positive note, T. Yes. Um, yes. Abbott Elementary is coming on tonight. Yeah. I finally caught up. You know, I, I got, I finally caught up and. Man, I just love this show, T. <laughs> I just it's really so just love this show. It's just so great. The, the humor, 
the writing and everything is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to uh what is the third episode, I think, tonight coming on the uh, second, yes. second, second, yeah. okay. No, yes. no, is it the third? The third. I think it's the third. It's the it's third, the it's third, third yeah. episode. Yeah. That's right. That mm-hmm. is right. That is right. Yeah, it is hilarious because you saw them kind of do the doppelganger thing where each of the <laughs> each of the teachers at Abbott had the <laughs> doppelganger at the little uh what is it, the charter school? The charter school, school, yeah. That to me, the two sisters, that the Jersey hilarious. sisters. Oh, that that right there. So that to me is going to be the funniest as we see that. Kind of continue to evolve. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just it's great writing, great acting. It, it picked up where it left off, and I'm so excited for it to be back. And it's funny because every time I look at Cheryl Lee Ralph, I'm like, you know, she's so over yeah. the top in her real life. She's so fabulous and she's so glamorous. And then she's like this really like straight lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. buttoned up and. So that's kind of funny because it tells you how powerful and how great of an actor she is. So that's. Mm. To me, that's super duper exciting, but also just to kind of see how the show evolves, like the love story uh, between the two teachers. I think that's going to be kind of cool to see what that yeah, goes. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, how'd I go with that? Yes, yeah. Now that Gregory has broken up with Mrs. Howard, well, actually, Mrs. Howard's daughter ghosted him. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. That was so. Yeah. I was like, oh, bless just typical. He was trying to, yeah, he's trying to figure out how to break it to her. And she's like, boy, bye. I'm already gone on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and that I was laughing about that too, because I was like, Yeah, no, all educators aren't broke. I I mean, no, you know, she might miss she might miss a gym. Yeah. Just saying. She might miss a gym. So we'll find out tonight because we (laughs) got another episode in store. So can't wait to talk to you guys about it. And hey, if you guys check out Abbott Elementary, you should let us know if you like it. And if you don't, hopefully we have tipped you guys off to a gym indeed. And of course, tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on, not just with the Braves, but kind of looking at the postseason overall as it affects the Braves as they march to the NLDS, kind of have more reaction as the regular season will have wrapped up. Also, we know the Falcons are continuing to install the game plan, so we'll see what it's looking like for them as they move one step closer to taking on the Bucs. And as always, any and everything that's coming out of the Atlanta sports market, including teeing up the preseason for the Hawks that starts over in Abu Dhabi against the Bucs, we will talk about it. So again, check us out. On our newest platform, Amazon Fire and Roku, you're going to love seeing us on the big screen, just like you'll love seeing everybody else on Locked On Sports Network Atlanta on that big screen, including our guy, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Check Chuckery out. Hey, it's a beautiful day out there. It's the fall. I love the weather. Hopefully, you'll love it, too. Have a good afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow. Y'all come back now, you who? Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.